to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. And I hope we're having a good time. But I kept overhearing the people in front saying something about a valley, right? So we might as well go to it, don't you think so? So Joel 3 and verse 14. Happy Young Adult Sunday. As usual, they dressed me up. So the words written here are Young Adults Ministry. The drip is forever. Joel 3 verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Can we read it again? So, multitudes, multitudes in the valley. Come on, you're supposed to sing it out. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley, the valley of decision. Now, a valley is usually in between hills or mountains. And it's an elongated depression between hills or mountains, often with a river flowing in it. A decision is the action or process of deciding something or of resolving a question. Now, what makes the value of decisions so important is that firstly, your life is a product of decisions. Some decisions were made by you. Some were not made by you. For you to be alive today, there are some people who made a decision on your behalf and said, let's start a family. There's a man in America who sued his parents. That man has got problems. I don't know if you've read about him. Uh, Apparently, he has sued the most people in the world. Like he finds ways to sue everyone. So the Guinness Book of Records wrote that he had sued the most people in the world and he sued them. And then he went to a TV show and they asked him a question about... Um, when he went on a TV program, they asked him a question about his multiple suing. And he laughed, walked out, and went to sue them. 
So I think, you know, I, I, I think when we understand that there are certain decisions that we never had control over, I really think that helps. So life is generally a product of decisions. There are people who made decisions. Uh, they decided which school you'll be at. Point. For me to complete my, I completed my high school at 15. It's because some decisions were made earlier on, which meant that I finished school a little bit faster than other people, right? So it was a decision. There are people who've experienced hurt because of somebody else's decision. There are some people who are listening to me right now and someone made a decision to help bring you in this world but decided not to be there to guide you through it. And so some people here had to grow up by themselves or grow up outsourcing help from wherever it could be sourced. And you know, these are real things. There are people listening to me right now who've never known for some reason or another, but some due to decision, what a mother's love is. There are some who've never known what a father's love is. And there are people who have issues against certain decisions that were made on their behalf. There are others who rebelled because they were sent to a boarding school in Chikankata when they wanted to be at Lake Road or Rhodes Park. There are others who don't like the choices that were made on their behalf. But life is a product of decisions. There are some who were just sitting, loving themselves and enjoying themselves. And someone made a decision to come and get their heart interested in them. And after getting their heart interested in them, uh, later on told them, you're not my type. And they're hurt due to a decision. So someone made a decision to communicate with you in that manner. You made a decision to respond in a certain manner. Then you were hurt. So life generally is a sum total of decisions. Some people came to church today because they made a decision. Others didn't come to church today because they made a decision. I don't know if you're getting what I'm, what I'm, what I'm communicating over here. So it's a decision. And growing up really, I'll tell you one of the hardest things about growing up. I think one of the hardest things about growing up is being the one to make the final decisions. It's being the one to make the final decisions. And, you know, I, I remember when, I'll give you an example, when my wife was giving birth, so the doctor comes to me and says, okay, can we do A, B, C, D? And in my head, I'm thinking, you're coming to me because... <laughs> and I realize, hey, I'm the father here. <laughs> I don't know if you get my point. And that, it, it was real. It hit in that moment that this thing is now real because I'm now the one making the decision. And that's a whole different ballgame, making decisions. And if you can learn how to make decisions and also how to respond to decisions of others, I think it will be easier to navigate life. 
by decisions of others, I mean decisions of the government, decision of the people in the streets, decisions of all those things, they all have an influence. So literally, it's a valley of decisions. We are all connected by decisions. Turn to your neighbor and say, the valley. Uh -huh. Now, the complicatedness of decisions and time is, I think, one of the hardest things about being an adult. And perhaps that many people are not very prepared for. How many times have we said, I wish I could have done this? I wish I could have done it like that. How many times have you gone for an exam? And before you write the exam, when you look at it, you pray to God and say, God, help me this time. Just this last time, help me. Because deep inside, there are times we know that, okay, I was, I think, playing a little bit too much FIFA and I was too much on Instagram. I could have studied one hour more. There are times we actually know. We actually know. I know usually we say, no, the lecturer didn't teach this, 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 and the like. But there's always that person who knows all the lessons. Have you ever come out of an exam? It has happened to me before. And, you, and you're like, well, we taught that. And then someone shows you in the notebook, literally from A. <laughs> Who's ever experienced that? So meaning clearly there, there was a battle of decisions. And you notice that the more you grow, the more you have to make the decisions yourself. There's only so much your parents can do. There's only so much, as a matter of fact, I'll show you a scripture on that one. There's only so much your pastor can do. There's only so much your friends can do. At the end of the day, you have to make those decisions. And that's why I'll show you a scripture. But the complexity of time and decisions is that you can't take back what you say and you can't reverse what you've done. It's not a game where you can restart. You can't go and just say restart. You can't restart your day. Right now, none of you can go back to zero six hours and change what you wanted to wear. The joke I just cracked, which very few of you laughed at, I can't go back and crack it again. I can't rewind and then redo it. It's, it's like you just can't do that. And that's why many people have, what can we call? Uh, many people have this nostalgia. You know what nostalgia is? It's that like, you know, when something reminds you of something from before. That nostalgic feeling. And if you had to know how it started, it's people who like grew up on the farms and whatnot, and then they would go to the city life, and they'll always be remembering one day I'll go to the farm. That's why they'll go to the city and write about West Virginia, that it's almost heaven. They're just remembering the cows, the horses. Now, when they come to me and sell me that life, I've never lived that life. So for me, that's like, what? You want to be around horses? But if somebody grew up in that, have you noticed a lot of people when they retire, they go back to the farm? Because for them, it just reminds them of how it used to be. I think, for example, 
Christmas. When you think about Christmas, what comes to your mind? The presents? Hey, you had presents. <laughs> For me, it's Black Spider, um, cocoa in the morning, raining. Oh my goodness, it would rain. Having cocoa in the morning, and then that day would have a buffet. Like the foods that you eat on special days, would eat them all. And then a lot of family members would come home. So we'd have the chicken, we'd have the sausage, here and there, as, as in, my goodness, sometimes they'll shock you, they'll do like a bolognese, you, you know what I mean, eh? And there's that feeling, and then where the kids, so if you know when you're a kid, you're entertainment, so we're the ones who dance, uh, <laughs> and you'd also put on your Christmas clothes. That day, you couldn't play game, you couldn't play white die, you couldn't play any of those things. And, and you know, it's very, many other times, we exaggerate just how good the past was because it brings a nostalgic feeling. Why do I say so? Because for many houses or for many people, the chicken that they used to eat on Christmas is now part of their weekly menu. Let's be honest. Because chicken has now become the one people buy when there's less money. <laughs> and technically speaking, rice is becoming more affordable. And so there is a temptation to exaggerate the past. I've heard people, I remember there was, I've heard people say, Zambia, we used to enjoy Zambia. They say, talking about the different things, the UBZ bus, but they didn't mention they could wait three days for a bus. I, somehow they skipped that part. They didn't mention the riots of a millimil. Somehow they skipped that part. There's a reason why they're the ones who voted and changed from a one-party state to, <laughs> there's a reason why they did that. I don't know if somebody's getting my point. There is a temptation to exaggerate the past. And there is also a temptation to exaggerate the future, either for good or for worse. You can either think, ah, the future will go well one day, or my goodness, my future is bleak. But many people have not learned how to enjoy the moment. For example, right now, look at this. Hold on. You're seated in here. We've just had the young adults do their thing, showing us just how secure it represents for me that the next younger people are secure. We heard some wonderful sermons. I probably couldn't even preach like that at that age. Some wonderful sermons, beautiful revelations. We just did a skit on the valley, the valley of decision. And we're seated here and we're getting enlightened more on decision making. At this moment, what really could be better than this? Like, why not just take half a second and actually smile because okay so take half a second and smile ah I, i'm expecting everyone to do it everyone just smile say i enjoy life now and perhaps you may be thinking pastor um you don't know what i'm going through well that testimony which is building up when you hear testimonies and we celebrate, do we ever think in the moment, what was the person thinking? In the moment, what was the person feeling? When their backs were against the wall, what was going on? And now they can even encourage us. They can steer us up. They can build us up. 
So enjoy the baking as well. It's very important. Now, I'll give you a few tips on the value of decisions. Somebody say glory. So I mentioned that it can be very complicated. And when I say adulting can be very complicated, do you, can you imagine there are people that I was very close to who were good friends and were not, it's just not the same anymore because maybe there's something they once said or did which I just felt, no, that's a bit too much. Or perhaps there's something I said or did which they just felt, no, that's a bit too much. And sometimes we've even tried to reconnect but it's just not the same. Can you imagine just how, how a decision is? A decision can literally break a friendship. That's how deep a decision is. So we might as well start teaching decision-making from a very, very young stage. Praise God. Let me tell you how I became financially prudent. When I was about 12, and I'm not saying everyone should do this. I think people should study uh, their children and decide how to do it. So when I was about 12, my dad gave me one of his ATM cards. And he told me I would be the one buying water. I would be the one pay, uh, paying for water, paying for electricity. And if there are any one or two groceries that are needed, I could do that. But then I could also use a bit for myself. So the only part I heard was for myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that day we went, we walked to Crossroads Mall with a few friends, got a few snacks and drinks. I was, I was, I mean, and then when I came back and checked the electricity levels, I realized I needed that electricity to watch TV. I needed that electricity to charge my phone. I needed from that day, I became so prudent. It wasn't funny because it gave me a realization that if I was to be getting from this, I'm getting from my own benefits. So what's the use of going to Crossroads to buy a snack when I already have lunch at home? and yet I could pay for the electricity to cook the lunch for everybody else. So from that time, I became, it, it just, something clicked. My decision-making with regards to finances became better. And I think even for those who are with me in the team, in the context of the church, you know how tough I can be when it comes to finances. I can be very tough. Whether we've got a lot of money, whether the money is less, I will look for the most cost-effective option which is still delivering quality. I can make you account for a 105 quarter because at the end of the day, things are supposed to benefit everyone. So all that, the decision making was taught. So very quickly, here are my points. Are you following? Are there any of you who are in the value of decisions right now? Now, in essence, listen to this. Our rewards in heaven will be as a result of the decisions we made. Look at Matthew 25, verse 35 to 38. Matthew 25, verse 25. No, verse 35. Okay, let's go to it quickly. It says, For I was hungry. This is Jesus speaking. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. 
Next verse. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Uh-huh. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? Next verse. When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Uh-huh. Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Uh-huh. And the king will say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of my brethren, of these my brethren, you did it to me. What's Jesus saying here? That in heaven you'll be amazed at how the decisions you made. Jesus will count it as you did it for me. And clearly these people were not tooting their own horn. Of course, there are certain things we can come to share to inspire others. Maybe I can come here and tell you, oh, I did this for two people, I did this for three people. But if that's all you have to say, if that's all that defines your life, what you can come share here, then my goodness, I don't know what you're doing with those 24 hours. Because 24 hours is a lot to not make impact in people's lives. Listen to me, in a world where there are many troubles, in a world where there are many dangers, listen to me and listen to me well. Be that one whose decision making brings hope to people. Brings back hope to people. Think about this. I'll give you this example. Imagine you ever get an opportunity. Maybe there's a male and there's a female who's in need of resources. And all things equal, you have an opportunity to help her with that resource. You do it freely, not expecting anything in return. Do you know what you've done to her? Do you, know what, do you know what you could be healing in that moment? Do you know in that moment you could be teaching someone that they are worth more than selling their body or something like that? And that just came about as a result of a decision you made. So be that one who actually makes decisions that benefit people, that actually help people. If you can do that, I think... As complicated as being as adulting can get, you'll be doing your best to make another person's life less complicated. Now, think about this. Joseph was in prison, but while in prison, he interpreted a dream, and we know how the prophetic works. So, Joseph prophesied someone's freedom while he was still fighting his own battles in, in prison. And interestingly, that person even forgot him until years later. He told him, please remember me. But years later, that decision he made, that decision he made ended up working out because that person ended up giving his CV to Pharaoh. You would have thought Potiphar is the one who would have given his CV to Pharaoh. But by the time that person was giving his CV, not even Potiphar's testimony. Listen, it's still remembered in Egypt I'm told if you had to read some records, Jacob is still a convict. Joseph was, was still a convict. So meaning, the value of the decision he made to help that prisoner ended up being bigger. The prisoner's testimony was bigger than Potiphar's testimony. What if he had slept with Potiphar's wife? What if he had made, what if he had made a wrong decision that day and slept with Potiphar's wife? That would have been the ceiling board. That would have been the ceiling board. By the way, for the men, you should remind me. Have you read in Proverbs 5, where the Bible talks about 
the results of sexual immorality. You know one of the results? It says your wealth will be eaten by strangers. You should go read it. Just go read Proverbs 5. You'll be amazed. That's why if you have an opportunity to change that aspect, change it. Hey, hallelujah. <laughs> now, a few things you have to watch out for. Number one, watch out for fear. First, Second Timothy 1 verse 7, and I need to be really quick now, but please pay attention. Because if I don't teach this today, you won't be able to hear it next week. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Touch your mind and say, I have a sound mind. If Satan can mess with your mind, he's messed with your decisions. If he messes with your decisions, he's messing with your life. So touch your head again and say, I've got a, I've got a sound mind. Now, God does not give the spirit of fear. That means if you're being plagued by the spirit of fear, it came from somewhere else. And one thing that would help you in healing is tracing the source of your fear. Tracing the source of your fear. Understanding why you are afraid. Understanding why you are afraid. And sometimes it can be traced to very, very things that can seem very trivial. Can I give you a personal example? I grew up knowing I would be a pastor. And as I grew older, I wanted nothing to do with being a pastor. Because I felt, I felt, I, I don't know, it, it stopped feeling worthy. When I sat down one time and reflected, I realized where that feeling came from. When I was about six years old, everyone was being asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And everybody said, and when I said pastor, they all looked disappointed. Like, you keep, that, that was a school, like you keep passing number one, and that's all you want to be. That's the look I got. I never wanted that feeling again. I never wanted that feeling again. Little did I know it grew up on me. What am I trying to say? Sit back. You might actually, if you sit and reflect, you might realize that there are certain things where the fear can be traced from something else. Interestingly, the person that day who had spoken was a teacher and had said those words like, you know, enjoy a bit too intelligent for this. They probably don't remember and probably they made a mistake. But the very person a few years ago gave me a call and said, is this Pastor Fred? I said, yes, I really need your prayers. That day healed me. That day healed me. Praise God. Praise God. Try and check and trace a source. Some of us, unfortunately, listen to me, uh, I don't want you to be angry at your parents, maybe because sometimes they've not gotten it right. Because at the end of the day, we all learn on the job. And, and sometimes a person's day can be a product of this and of that and of that and of that. So just be grateful for how they've tried, okay? Just be grateful. But some of us, unfortunately, have heard words we should have never heard. And that's why with teaching such as this one, we should be more careful. Some of us have, have heard words like, you're a disappointment. We've heard words like, you're a failure. 
What can you be in life? And those words can injure a person. And they can bring about this fear that makes them make bad decisions. But remember this. It's not God who's given the spirit of fear. He's given a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So we need to get into where is that fear coming from? When I, when I looked back and analyzed my one or two years of being rebellious, I realized where it came from. I actually thought about it and realized where it came from. I was always the youngest in the class. I was always, I mean, everyone else is 13 and you are 10. My first day of grade 8, I was 10 years old. First day of grade 8. So there was always something in me that felt I needed to be accepted. I needed to be accepted. I also needed to be accepted because I would just be looked at as that kid. So the only thing I had was intelligence. Apart from that, I was just that kid. Being the young one means you're not chosen for football. You're not chosen for this because you're not as athletic as the other ones. Listen, the difference between a 23 and a 26-year-old is not that big. But a 10 and a 13-year-old is big. So as far as I was concerned, I was not good at sports. I was not good at any of those things. That's why when we have a see how much I play. I'm relieving those moments. But what I'm saying is, at that point, maybe if, uh, and I did get that, but I mean, imagine a further emphasis on the fact that what was going on with me was actually very unique and special. And if it's unique and special, you can't expect it to be understood by everybody else. I don't know if you're getting my point. So even in those young stages when ladies are having crushes on everyone, me, nothing, I was the younger brother. And guess what? I now thank the Lord, hallelujah, <laughs> that I was not troubled. <laughs> I was just the little boy. <laughs> ah, thank you, Lord. What shall I render? Anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying, fear can always be traced from somewhere. And so, try to trace where is that thought coming from? These are sermons that make you think, eh? I always think about how the Israelites, imagine how they lived their lives. 40 years in the desert, you know it could have taken 10 or 11 days, right? According to the scriptures, it was an 11-day journey. But God was like, these, if they see the Philistines, they'll shrink. 40 years in the desert, and they still, the Egyptians whom they saw today, the ones whom God said, these Egyptians you see today, you'll never see them anymore. They still used to see them. They would live their lives with my little Egyptians in their head. They had taskmasters in their head. That's why every time something went wrong, they would say, where well, there are no graves in Egypt. And that is why, ladies and gentlemen, study yourself. What's your reaction when things go wrong? What's the first thing that you think of? We may have to deal with a few taskmasters. No wonder the Bible talks about the renewing of your mind. And that is something that's not very easy. It's something that doesn't um, happen in one day, but you can deliberately and intentionally position yourself for it. And you're already doing well. That's why you're in this meeting. Somebody say glory to God. No, think about this. If the first thing that comes to your mind is, let me get a knife and let me cut my hand and let me just feel the pain. Why? What made you start thinking like that? What did you watch? What did you listen to? What did someone once tell you? What did you get to see? What did you get to experience? And then we need to deal with that. Do you need to talk to somebody about it? Do we need to have some honest conversations? And I'm praying as a church, as CO Church, one of my prayers is that we grow to a place where we can have very honest conversations 
and those conversations won't leak and become rumors or become products of gossip. Or where when someone comes to open up to you, you post like a status, hey, people have problems in this world. <laughs> I'm praying we become that. And I think that should be our target for the elders next year. To be safe houses. To be, place, to be beacons of safety. To be cities of refuge. And this fear many people are gripped with is the fear of other human beings. I, I don't know why we just fear like, how will that one see me? How will that one see me? What will that one think? What will that one think? Do you know that there are some guys who are dating a girl, they've got no interest in their personality, but the girl just looks nice enough to show off to his friends. And vice versa. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even joking. As if that will make decisions in the home. That won't make this. It gets, it, maybe somebody lied to you. Marriage is a real world. The photos, the photos are cute and adorable. The matching outfits are cute and adorable. But it's a, it's a whole real world where you're making decisions that will influence generations. It's a whole new world. <laughs> and that's why you come to find that. Let me not say that. No, it's okay. No, that was for the men's meeting. I said, remember what I told them? I said you should be, when, when it came to the decision making of marriage, I said you should be very deliberate about what you're looking for. Many people find very good girlfriends who are bad wives. And vice versa. Very good boyfriends who are bad husbands. Should remind me one day I'll do a training on the difference. You'll be amazed. Some people know how to do everything a girlfriend can do. But you see, some decisions are made out of trying so hard to gain the favor of man. Just wanting to be accepted. There's a song I heard when I was younger, which really, I think when I just got saved, after some time, like we released a song. Do you remember it? I just want to be like you. Walk like, talk like, even think like you. I say, thinking of all the people I used to imitate. And there's a part where he says, uh, now I'm looking at what? Uh, whatever, and I'm following what they feed me. Rapsters, trapsters, whoever wants to lead me. And even though I lie, they say, no, uh, they say I'm good at bad things, at least they're proud of me. I was once in the office and I was talking to a very young person, I think they were 12, 13, and I told them, you're yeah, a good girl. And they looked at me in shock, like no one had ever caught them that. They knew they were a problem. That's all they thought they were. So many times people do things, they make decisions to gain the favor of man. Now be careful with doing that because man has two eyes and all those things, they're just like you. At the end of the day, none of them will be on the panel for judging you. Be very careful. Because, and, and I know you've seen this in the memes, but really sometimes beyond the memes, some of those memes reflect what really happens. Many people make decisions to impress people they don't like who also don't like them. Like, I've, I, I remember at university, I would see people buying, like, like, the person is broke, and they spend all their money on very expensive hair, which the guys couldn't even tell the difference, like, whether this is from here or from there. If a person is going to buy that hair, let them do it for themselves. 
like because they just like to look like that. But in this case, someone would reach a place where they are borrowing to look a certain way, to impress people who can't tell the difference, and also to impress their rivals. I don't know people have got like these rivals. And, and it's just like, let's not complicate a life that's already complicated. Life is complicated enough. Don't complicate it further. Be very genuine with your friendships, with your relationships. Like, don't, don't complicate things, ladies and gentlemen. Let me finish up quickly. Maybe we need a seminar. Then there are some who make decisions out of not loving themselves. For example, I've already messed up, so what would this change? Someone already violated my body, so why should I keep myself? Why not just give myself freely when someone already tried to force themselves on me? Like, I've already done it the wrong way, so what's the use of doing it well? That is where the understanding of the gospel comes in. The understanding that what the gospel gives you is an opportunity to start afresh. Now, it's so spiritual that people may not understand and people may always refer to the old man. But at the end of the day, the one who's going to judge you is the one who sits before you. And on Friday, I was, I was talking to myself. I actually wrote it down as one of my objectives for next year. One of my objectives for next year is to train my eyes to grow with people. Here's what I mean. I had noticed something. I noticed that any person who saw me as a young pastor 10 years ago still sees me as a young pastor now. Because people have got a tendency to always see you the way they knew you to always see you the way they saw you. They've got a tendency to do that. That's why David, they couldn't realize. They clearly saw Samuel anointing David. Then why should it shock them that he came to the battlefield? Because it's not like David was anointed privately. They clearly saw him. Why did it shock them? Because they still had a picture of their little boy. And so I was asking, I was telling myself, Fred, to what extent are you allow people to, do you allow people to grow in your sight? To what extent can you allow them, and I'm not just talking about growing physically, but growing mentally. To what extent can you accept advice from someone who, the day you met, they knew almost nothing? What if there's something about the gospel that they've seen which even you don't know? To what extent can you be receptive to the fact that somebody who, when you first met them, they were so irresponsible, can actually grow and become responsible? And if I can't accept that, then I should stop teaching because it means I don't believe what I teach. To what extent, I don't know if you're getting my point. I ask myself, to what extent can you accept that someone you can raise can mess up, do the wrong things, and they can still bounce back again? If I can't accept that, then I should stop preaching. Then I should just stop. Because it means the gospel is for perfect people who've never done anything wrong. But the question is, forget me, what about you? To what extent can you forgive yourself? To what extent can you see yourself the way God sees you? The Bible is very clear that if your heart condemns you, you will struggle to stand before God. The, one of the biggest condemnations is the condemnation of the heart. To what extent are you willing to see yourself as God sees you? The more you do that, what happens? You renew your mind and you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's conclude with this. Some bad decisions are made out of an attempt to have a soft life. Very quickly. We all want the soft life. How many of you like a soft life? 
have a question. What does a soft life mean to you? Uh, tell your neighbor. Like, like for you, what's a soft life? Like what's your definition of a soft life? Come on. Tell your neighbor. I'm curious. <laughs> like a soft one, eh? Okay, wonderful. It seems we've got a lot of ideas about a soft life. And for me, I can say, you know, it, it's sometimes, you know, just sitting, having like a braai, with like a drink, you're seated. Soft life. Eh? <laughs> Everyone likes like a soft life. And when life is hard, one of the biggest things you want, you don't want it to go to the middle, you want a soft life. And that's why people make bad decisions for a soft life. Ladies and gentlemen, that we'll discuss later, but be careful about that. Next week, I'll tell you how you can position yourself to make good decisions. And then, I'll tell you how you can deal with certain bad decisions you've made before and the influence they've had over you. It's getting real, eh? And I'll also let you know how you can deal with some of the bad decisions other people have made which have had a negative influence on you. But if there's one thing we could do, it's this. We can all lift our hands right now. And then we can say, Father in heaven, sometimes this life on earth gets complicated. It can get hard. But I acknowledge that you sent the Holy Spirit to be my personal guide and to, sub and to guide me into all truth. And so today, in your very presence, I submit myself to you. I submit my life to you. I submit my mind to you. Guide my path and help me. God knew, ladies and gentlemen, that you would need help. That's why He sent the Holy Spirit. He knew it would not always be easy. That's why he sent he, the very Spirit of God to guide you. God knew. Now, I, I would like to ask if there's anyone in this place who needs to make the decision to confess Jesus as their Lord. Becoming born again starts with a decision. It's saying, I'm done with submitting myself to unrighteousness. I'm done with submitting myself to the ways of the world. I want Jesus to be Lord. And you see, when Jesus is Lord, what he does is this. Your bad, the bad decisions that you made, submit under the decision that he made to pay the price that you should have paid. And that's why this decision is the most cardinal. It's the best decision I've ever made. Because from that time, I've had somebody I could personally relate with. I've someone who 
has always wanted to be my God. Something personal. So if there's someone in this place that needs to get saved today, that needs to make that decision, perhaps you may have even been raised in the right path, but you made some bad decisions along the way and lost it. You've got an opportunity right now. I'd like you to raise your hand and raise it high. Raise your hands. So what you have just done is you've made a decision. Now say after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I choose to serve you and to follow you. You are my Lord. Amen. Now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, may you all be filled with the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Now, for everybody else, I want us just to pray for one minute and we can give our offerings and we're done. Now, I want you just to pray, submitting your life decisions, submitting even the mistakes you made before to God, saying, Lord, even for those mistakes I can't make up for, help me. Just submit yourself, your mind, your heart, and everything to God. Take a moment and pray. Let me bless you now. Father, I thank you for your people. I pray, Lord, for the young adults. Lord, help them through that phase of life. In Jesus' name. And now, Lord, I pray for everybody else and all of us. We are constantly in the valleys of decision. Help us to make the right decisions. Help us, to, help us to choose what's right. May we hear a voice behind us saying, here is the way. Go. This is the path. Go. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, for anyone who's made mistakes, anyone whose decisions have cost them, I ask as your servant, show them mercy. You showed mercy to Abraham when he made a decision to say that Sarah was his sister. You still showed mercy and came through and favored him and helped him out. You've shown mercy throughout the ages and you've helped people. I ask, oh God, I ask as your servant, show mercy to your people. These are your people and you're their God. You're the only one who can help them. Lord, to that one who keeps paying a price for a decision made years ago, help them, Lord, help them in the name of Jesus. I pray for those who've been suffering for the decisions made by others, that, Lord, may you come through and help and bring about divine compensation in the name of Jesus. Bring to them, let them find their pillars. Let them know their teachers. Let them find direction. And Lord, I pray, let them heal 
let them heal over the bad decisions that were made by others let them heal in the name of jesus and lord i pray teach us give us the wisdom to number our days and teach us lord to enjoy each day in the name of jesus i bless you all your week is blessed your life is blessed amen let's say the grace let's say the grace together one two three go the amazing grace of the lord jesus christ the extravagant love of god and the intimate friendship of the holy spirit be with us all surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in the house of the lord wow what a service i have been so blessed and i know you have been too may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the communion of the holy spirit be with you you can reach the city of the lord church on zero triple seven nine three zero eight eight two if you are unable to call you can email us on the city of the lord zambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.